Welcome, everyone, to Krypton to Alderaan, the podcast that definitely didn't buy this armor off a bunch of Jawas. <laughs> I'm Joey, and with me is Royce. Hello, podcast. Robin. Hello. And Lorelai. Hello. And we're the podcast that talks all about nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out. We can be found on Twitter at Krypton Alderon, or shoot us an email at kryptontalderon at gmail.com. Leave us a comment or review. We'll find it. And on this week's episode, we're at episode 16, podcast friend family. Did anybody ever think we'd make it this far? <laughs> I did. It's the sweet we 16. Did, right? We're like two seasons worth of episodes of a TV show these days. These days. Yeah. Except, I guess, The Flash. <laughs> we'll get into that. Huh. Uh, anyway, so on episode 16, we're going to talk all about um, The Mandalorian, chapters 11 and 12. But before we get into that, it's time for another edition of everyone's new favorite segment, and certainly every a segment that everyone prepared for appropriately. <laughs> COVID quarantine content corner. Yay! Last week, I, two weeks ago, I asked everyone to pick three things that we wanted to talk about. I'm clicking my pen a lot. That we've uh, consumed or whatever done during quarantine. I've asked everybody to do a similar thing this week. So, let's start with Lorelai. We got chickens, and boy, has it been an adventure. I feel like that should count for all three things. With <laughs> How the many time have died? Oh, there's multiple. The Never mind, don't say that. It's a, two, family, it's a family show. Two and a half chickens have died. I say that because one is half dead right now. But It's not our fault. We have done nothing wrong. We're good podcast world parents. We've just had some bad luck and we got some weird chickens and we're really excited about them. They're super fun. Mm. They all have their own little personalities. It's really fun. Um, But there have been some medical issues. So I also feel like I'm a chicken doctor now with everything I know about chickens. So that's pretty cool. Dr. Cluck medicine woman. Dr. Hen medicine woman. That one's better. Dr. Hen medicine woman. (laughs) This is Quinn, Dr. Quinn. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if, if I was a superhero, would I be Dr. Hen, medicine woman? Anyway. Well, yes, but also, you got another two things? Um, <laughs> That's chicken <laughs> shit. That's multiple. Another thing, which is recent as of last night, we started The Queen's Gambit on Netflix. It's the name of Oliver Queen's boat. Also, the name of... We were talking to somebody, and Joey was like, isn't that a boat? And... No one understood what he was talking about, but they wanted is. to talk about this show about chess, and yeah. my brain went straight to superheroes. Like, <laughs> surprising no one, but uh, the show is super good so far. We are, I mean, we're only two episodes in, but pretty interesting story, yeah. I would say it's not nice, it's definitely not nice. It's not really a it's not super uplifting, I would say, for no. COVID times, but it has a certain charm. I would say. So that's another thing. We watched most of The West Wing. Yeah, that was, that's a good one. Yeah. That is a nice, uplifting show. Yeah. The, the um, like, well, depending on who you are, the ideal political landscape yeah. kind of show. Super idealistic. Yeah. Which is sometimes fun. Um, but yeah, if you're a politics junkie, as I am, it's a really fun show. 
Even if you're not, maybe it's a fun show. Yeah, give it a watch. I tried to get Scott into that Martin a long Sheen. time ago with Russ, but it's one of those ones where you got to listen yeah. to all the dialogue. If you miss dialogue. You see, you really do. You can't like do yeah. other stuff while you're watching The West Wing or else you'll miss something and not understand anything. But it's got Martin Sheen. He's been arrested more times than Jane Fonda, apparently. For protesting For protesting. And and not just yeah. like crack or something. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, it's a really that's... great show Aaron Sorkin he's done some good work give it a watch give other stuff of his a watch is that it that's do you it. have a secret fourth thing <laughs> I sure don't right. oh what do you got Robin I got super into baking for a while I would I would put that up there with uh, stress macrame at the same time I was stress baking <laughs> stress macrame that was in the spring any chance I had I feel like I was baking we got inundated mm-hmm. with muffins and breads and stuff. Well, we get like a lot of bananas and then the bananas go bad and you're like, oh, I don't want to eat this banana, but I'll bake it and then eat it. How does that work? It's not gross if you put it in I think it works just like you just described it. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Yeah, pretty much. So baking. Also, I think we mentioned this last week. I don't think it's what I was into, but we watched uh, Umbrella Academy. I don't think that was one of the, the highlights though. We rewatched. We watched season two and then went back and rewatched season one. So that was pretty awesome. Nice. You said you didn't watch that, right, Joe? We have not watched it yet, but um, I've seen articles float around with like the clickbait title, like how the Umbrella Academy did the Dark Phoenix better than X Men. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's probably like super true. Like you have this like super powered person that like you don't know if she has powers and like. It's great. Her powers are suppressed. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Like, the first season of that show was such a better version of either of those two movies that we got. I think the, from what I remember, the cartoon got it. I mean, I don't know if they got it right, but it was enjoyable to watch the cartoon version. But the two movie versions were just so bad. They play Apocalypse every day on, like, FX, and I'm like, play Dark Phoenix, though, because I haven't seen that one. <laughs> Please? So bad, though. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. But come on, it's bad. <laughs> so bad. I haven't seen it. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Justice League or what will be the Snyder Cut. It's like, they're bad. I'm not going to watch them. All right. Okay. Ka-chunk. Okay. Ka-chunk. What do you got, Royce? <laughs> uh... So I guess off that same theme, uh, I have a personal goal that I want to watch all the DC movies and that nobody else wants to watch them with me. And I did watch Wonder Woman and that was a movie. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really all I have to say about it. I'm sure that the rest of the DC movies are going to be like that, but I've seen all the Marvels and all the Star Wars and how could you not see all the DCs? So I think you're supposed to start with Wonder Woman. I could be wrong. I haven't moved on to the next ones in in the chronological order, uh, but that's on my list of things to do. Now, in our household, there is a longstanding tradition that if there's a Halloween movie on, we have to watch the Halloween movie. So there's often a lot of Halloween on in uh, our household in the fall time of year, or at least in October. And Robin's got some favorites. I'm not really into Halloween movies, period, but I do kind of like some kind of thriller, suspense, horror, and wanted to see one of those types of movies. And I had the inkling that we should watch The Shining. Let's watch a spooky movie. 
spooky horror thriller movie. And I don't think Robin had seen it. And I've only seen bits and pieces. So we threw that on. Now I understand that Treehouse of Horror episode. Yeah, right? That's, <laughs> that's, that's why you need to watch The Shining so you can understand that Treehouse of Horror episode. Well, everyone's always seen like the classic like shots where like he's breaking th- down the door with the axe. Like everyone knows that scene, but like have you watched it start to finish? Yes, I have. <laughs> and finally, are we going to continue this for multiple weeks? Because I might have to save some of these to keep my what I'm into interesting. Well, it depends on how much you got on your list. I thought that this would be a thing that we could be like, oh, we've got so much that we did over quarantine. All right. Well, so... You do whatever. If no one wants to do it, we won't do it. Viewers, leave us a comment. Yeah, viewers. (laughs) So my final thing that I was into in quarantine content COVID corner, game shows on ABC for some reason took over television this summer. Am I right or wrong, Robin? You're right. One more, one more on the microphone. You, you are correct. <laughs> uh, and one of my favorites out of like the, there were so many wacky, zany game shows that came out this year. And I don't know if this was already in existence, but to tell the truth, really got into that one. Familiar? Not familiar? No, not at all. So uh, hosted by... Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson and his mom are like the hosts. That's weird. He brings in a panel of celebrities... The celebrities watch a panel of three uh, liars and or two liars and one person who's telling the truth. And you have to figure out who is telling the truth. They're all supposed to be podcast hosts and two of them aren't. One of them is. That's the show. Wow. Sounds really stupid. But for some reason, like it just pulls you right in. And they are wonderful with the cutting to the commercials where they're like, well, the real podcast host, please stand up. And they all start to fake stand up. And then Anthony Anderson is like, oh, cut to commercial. We'll tell you when we come back. And you're like, oh, shit, I got to watch now. <laughs> and it sounds really dopey, but that's a really fun show when you're looking for something lighthearted when times are tough. Mm, yeah. That gave me an idea for next week. Are we doing COVID content quarantine content corner know, next week? I just be the thing I'm into next you week. You know what, listeners? Don't worry about this. We're just having an internal thing. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll let you know in two weeks. Anyway, Joe. Okay, is it my turn? Yeah, it's your turn now. I'm going to go. I've been into many things. <laughs> <laughs> Can okay. confirm. We're going to start with Thrawn, an amazing Star Wars character. Anyone who is interested in expanding their knowledge of Star Wars should research this character, but there's a... So, he existed pre-canon reboot, I guess pre-The Force Awakens, and they he's recently been brought back by the same author that... I mean, basically the same guy wrote the trilogy, the original Thawn trilogy books, and then wrote the new canon trilogy. Anyway, so I've consumed all of those. So I know everything about Thrawn, and he's also <laughs> in Star Wars Rebels... And it's a very good show, and he's a very good character. It really is, It like, it's one of the things in the Star Wars universe. Like, Royce, you were talking about the other day, I think, the YouTube channel Film Theories and how they, they've gone into, like, maybe shedding light on the Rebellion and the Rebels versus the Empire and, like, who's the real good guys there. The, uh, the Thrawn books and other sort of extra canon things like that that focus on Imperials and and what they believe is a really good sort of introduction into that. Like they maybe like any sort of regime believe that they're right and 
and all of that stuff. But he's a really interesting character, and they're really good books. So if you're interested, check it out. They're good. Timothy Zahn is the writer and I believe creator of... A second thing that we've been into is The Flash. We've gotten caught up on The Flash. Carl, this one's for you if you're listening. I know you're listening. You're like one of our (coughs) return listeners. Thanks, Carl. Anyway, so we've watched The Flash and uh, have watched Crisis on Infinite Earths at this point. And to be honest, Crisis on Infinite Earths was good and then was also not very good, but in conclusion, really burned us both out. Fell a little flat. Might have been the fact that we had just watched like two seasons in four days or something. Well, I don't know. Crisis but. is also hard to get to because it's a crossover of, of of like five CW shows. So it's five hours of this event, which is good. I mean, you dedicate that much to a storyline like that, but it just, it really sort of burnt us out. So we're taking a little break from the Flash. And also there's like, Crisis was introduced on like the first episode of The Flash and we're now in season six and it's it's over. It's like, what's the next thing? So we'll get there. But anyway, burnt out. And a third thing, last week I talked about The Haunting of Bly Manor, which was really good and then really, really bad. So I couldn't give it a wholehearted go and check this out. And I'm going to do the same thing here. We watched a lot of the show Titans, which focuses on sort of the Teen Titan group of sidekicks, DC sidekick superheroes that form their own team. But anyway, uh, the show is really bad. Don't watch Titans. And in fact, write HBO and DC an email and ask them why they did this to and these characters. CC. CC Krypton to Alderaan. (laughs) Or tweet at them and and CC us on the tweet. Anyway, it's a bad show. It's so bad. And it's so bad. Royce, I want to watch the DC movies with you. I think that would be really fun. And we could do a really fun, maybe funny podcast episode about it. (laughs) But so many of them are so bad. And and DC struggles so hard to make good live action content. And I guess these days also good animated content. But Titans is just, you just keep waiting for it to get good because like the casting's good and and we love the characters, but the show is just. That's painful when you're like, I'm sticking it out. I want to, I want to believe in this show and then it doesn't turn the corner. Yeah, it's like really we got maybe like one and a half seasons into it. We stuck it out for a long time. And it's a superhero show where nothing happens. No one ever uses their powers. There's you are going to no have fights. dinosaurs in your dinosaur park, right? Yeah, exactly like that. And everyone's always in like their plain clothes and using each other's real names during a fight when they're when, <laughs> once in a while when they're in their costumes. It's like, oh, we're using our made no up good. names. No good. And lastly, I have a fourth thing I'd like to discuss. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I know, I picked four things. I anticipated having extra time here. One of the last episodes we recorded pre-COVID was our Rise of Skywalker episode. Okay. Review, whatever. We all saw it twice, and then we talked about it on the podcast. I would like to go back and address some things. Mostly, (laughs) that movie is so terrible. Have you watched it again? that was not my opinion the first time we had this conversation. Have you watched it again, or are you just thinking about Uh, it? 
I don't think we've watched it, but I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I actually listened to our podcast episode. And you know what? I agree with everything you said, Royce, on the episode. And I disagree with everything I said on the episode. So there you have it. We could get more into that in the future. But man, that movie. It's a shame. I want to rewatch it. And then I I suffer exactly what you're talking about. You're like, I just don't I don't want to be like mad at it because it's going to be the same movie. So there's no point. Yeah, I just it thinking about it and replaying it in my mind and listening to our episode just reminded me how much I really love the, the prequel cinematic universe of Star Wars and the Clone Wars. You and know what prequels. I mean? You guys watch the Clone Wars? <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> that be that's a good transition. That's a good segment. Woo! Nice into job. This, into this Clone Wars and Rebels heavy uh Episode of The Mandalorian, Chapter 11, The Heiress. Yeah. Directed by uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Second second Mandalorian episode. Anyway, we pick up on uh, Chapter 11 with the Razor Crest headed to Trask. It's all beat up and it's headed to Trask. And so throughout the episode, um, The Mandalorian reunites Frog Lady with her Frogman husband. And this is something I didn't know. Frog Lady and Frogman... Frogman is voiced by um, D. Bradley Baker, who's a voice actor, a well-known voice actor, but he's done a lot of work on Star Wars and the Clone Wars. Most notably, he voiced all the clones, which I guess isn't that much because it's just the same thing. But they're different people on the show, you know, so it's like different people that he voiced. Anyway, he's a <laughs> big deal in Star Wars, and now he's croaking. He's the frog people. Uh, the Frogman tells the Mandalorian where to go to learn where other Mandalorians are, and Trask seems to be a water planet, much like Mon Cala, that's home to uh, the Mon Calamari and the Corrin, which are the squid face. Hmm. Wait, so that wasn't Mon Cala? It was not Mon Cala. It was Trask, whatever Trask is. I think so. We're we're meeting like a lot of new planets in uh, the Mandalorian. Why they didn't make it Moncala? I guess they want to stretch it out. But Moncala is home to the Mon Calamari and the Corrin, uh, and apparently so is Trask. So maybe they just inhabit all the water worlds with Kevin Costner. <laughs> the Frogman tells him where to meet someone who could take him to the Mandalorians. He talks to a Moncala who refers him to a Corrin. Why? And then they wind up on the boat and the Quarren throws baby Yoda into that monster. But the other Mandalorians show up and we see, and if you, this is where it starts to get good. If you ever watched the Clone Wars (laughs) or Rebels, people out there, not my friends, because I know that they haven't. I've watched Um, some of it. Because it was your birthday. The Yeah, thanks. <laughs> the minute that Bo-Katan shows up, you know, because that's her armor. You see her specifically designed armor that she's had over the course of multiple Star Wars TV shows that are canon. What did everyone think of... Um, Bo-Katan? Bo-Katan, but Katie... Starbuck. Starbuck as Bo-Katan and the, the other Mandalorians and the... I guess the idea that that the Mandalorian, that Din Djarin is a part of this cult. They take their masks, they take their helmets off, right? And he 
doesn't believe that they're Mandalorians because they took their helmets off because he's part of this cult. So I'll tell you what my brother Russ thinks, because I thought he brought up a great point that when they showed up and they took off their helmets and they described that they were Mandalorians, but not those kind of Mandalorians, he was kind of taken aback. Like, what? I just got to know what a Mandalorian was. I thought this is the way, you know? And then as a casual viewer, he doesn't consume all the content. He's not in... COVID content, canon corner. <laughs> he was confused. Like, am I supposed to believe, like, who's a Mandalorian now? I don't know. Like, we just met the Mandalorian. Most Star Wars casual fans just met them for the first time. Now you're being challenged. Also with the main character, which I think is kind of cool because you're discovering some of the universe as he's discovering it if you are a casual fan. But of course, like people that are deeper into Clone Wars, you know, you're like, oh yeah, that, Bo-Katan and her backstory and whatnot. But I do think that's interesting that like he thinks he's a good guy and that his beliefs are like the beliefs to have, which is kind of true for real life that some people think that exact way. And then they meet somebody that challenges their beliefs and it's hard to accept what somebody else thinks when it challenges what you think. And I do <laughs> think that's really interesting, but they are so cool. Who cares if they believe different things? They just look cool, and I want the action figures for Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that's a really interesting point because that's pretty much every group that we follow in Star Wars, right? A group that thinks that is pretty much a group that thinks that they know what's right until they meet this other group that it turns out there's more than one way of thinking. And both, I guess, a Star Wars lesson and a good lesson for real life. But she, yeah, so at that point, she sheds light on the fact that Din was a foundling, is a foundling of a group of Mandalorians known as Death Watch, who were, yeah, radicalists against the government created by Bo-Katan's sister, uh, which was a peaceful government on Mandalore, and they wanted to return to a warrior state. Um, so they fought back and Bo-Katan was a member of Death Watch until, until she wasn't. So it's just a really interesting meeting there and her shedding light on that to him, having once been a member of that, what she describes as a cult. Good stuff. And they are badass and they look really cool. And it turns out Sasha Banks isn't Sabine Wren, but I guess that's okay. She was just kind of a, a Mandalorian. And that, that slurps up a weird octopus thing in front of baby Yoda. And that's fine, too. There was a lot of weird food stuff. Total aside, but the food on that planet was suspect. <laughs> it's all uh, Mon Calamari. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, it's pretty weird, the octopus coming out. I mean, they wanted us to think that there was going to be another monster twice in the episode. Three times in the episode. They wanted us to think there was going to be like another, it was going to be another monster episode. He meets Bo-Katan. She introduces him to a Mandalorian, not like he's used to. Uh, she describes that the Empire is using, well, what's left of the Empire is using Trask to ferry weapons made from the destruction of Mandalore or, or pilfered from Mandalore after its destruction, which I think is also a really interesting plot point. It's exactly what you said you didn't want to happen. Oh, they land on the planet. Yeah, we'll help you if you help us do this thing. 
Yeah, so that's the that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. Well, and it did happen in chapter 12 in the episode with Grief Karga and Cara Dune. Um, but they convinced but, Mando to suit up and take on the Imperials. Yeah, they convince him to suit up and take on the Imperials, which consists of the man in black from Lost and a bunch of other nobodies. And it it's all under the guise of um, Bo-Katan getting the Darksaber back, which we know uh, Moff Gideon has. So she's after Moff Gideon for the Darksaber so that she can become the ruler of the ruler of Mandalore again. Now, so you're she's inferring had that because you know the canon. They didn't say any of that shit in the show. Well, she says she says in the show that that they have something they need to unite Mandalore and and basically reform Mandalore. There was a purge and apparently were two great purges, the Jedi one and the Mandalorian one. And in this episode, we find out that, well, we learn more about the Mandalorian purge and that the Empire attacked Mandalore, presumably because Bo-Katan, as the ruler of Mandalore, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't bow to the Emperor. And so there was a war on Mandalore that ended in either its destruction or a genocide sending Mandalorians into what we see in the first season of The Mandalorian, you know, everyone underground. And then at the end, she says, she mentions the Darksaber and says that she needs, she wants to get it from Gideon when she's trying to interrogate uh, the officer on the ship. Does she say Darksaber? Yeah. Did I miss that? Oh, all right, never mind. Yep. That brings up sort of a really good plot point here that, that could affect the future of the show. Like, it, to this point, we've been going along with the Mandalorian and baby Yoda and the great purge has been mentioned in the past in regards to the destruction of Mandalore, but in the show, um, but they seem to be taking it in a direction of Bo-Katan and Mandalorians fighting what's left of the empire for, to, to regain control of their planet and unite all Mandalorians which I think is a really interesting direction for the show to go from taking it from to taking it from like the Mandalorian and baby Yoda to more like the baby Yoda show to a show where the bottom line is fighting what's left of the empire to regain control of their home planet. And I think that that could be really cool. And my question at the end of it was how does, how would Ahsoka fit into that? But I think that that's more answered at the end of the next episode. So we'll get into it later. So what did everyone think of the episode and of Bo-Katan's character and of what, where this could take the show going forward and knowing that it might remove it from being a Baby Yoda show to being more a Mandalorian show? Yeah, no, I mean, I call it the Baby Yoda show, so... yeah. I, the the episode was okay. I wasn't a huge fan of Bo-Katan or the three Mandalorians. And I spent most of the episode going, so are you Mandalorians? Because you did take off your helmet. But they obviously explained that. Th- that episode was okay. It was not my favorite episode. And I also get nervous every time he leaves uh, Baby Yoda with a babysitter. Like, you don't know these frog people. 
She put her own eggs in like a spider cave and you're leaving Baby Yoda <laughs> with her. Wow. Assuming. I guess, also, I guess good point. Baby Yoda <laughs> ate like half of her eggs. So she's got like, I don't know. She laid more eggs. I know, but still. But that's what, a good point. Baby what did he Yoda say to did, Baby Yoda when he left? And he was like, be good. Mind your manners, he said. <laughs> uh, but that's a good point because by, because yes, he did eat some of the eggs. But by the end of this episode... He was, I, I mean, Baby Yoda learned a lesson by the end of this episode. He was like, oh, this egg turned into this tadpole, which turned into this living creature. And he was like petting it and loving it. And he ate Yoda, a frog Baby Yoda learned a real lesson already. about the living force. He would have eaten that tadpole yeah, had they uh, not been right No, there. come on. It was a whole thing about the living <laughs> force and Yoda, Baby Yoda understanding, becoming, starting to understand the living force. Trust me. Okay, what do you think, Royce? Uh, yeah, I liked seeing another new planet. I was, I'm kind of bummed now that it's not Mon Calamari planet, but uh, it's still cool to see other planets. I, I was, man, I'm bummed that it's not Mon Calamari because I was gonna say it's cool if they're expanding on something you've heard of or already know about that you don't really have a in-depth thingamajiggy for. Uh, but it's still cool to see another like water world instead of like another desert. Another desert. Like, come on. How many desert planets are there that people actually want to inhabit? It's a little little crazy. But I liked it overall. Uh, anytime the Mandalorians show up, it's cool. This guy's poor ship. Crazy. How do you have your ship that busted up every single time you go somewhere and then tell people to fix it? You'd think people would be like, we can't fix it, man. Like, I can't. This won't hold together. Somehow they fix it with, like, rope and twine and netting and i think that was a nice little touch on him being like i need you to fix my ship and they did what they the best they could with the stuff that's on their planet yeah i thought that was a nice touch but like this guy's poor spaceship i can't believe that it gets so banged up and they fix it every week that's like another i feel like that's another trope i don't know if that existed in westerns if they're like i need a new horse or whatever (laughs) my horse got really banged up (laughs) i'll put fuel in it if it'll hold fuel (laughs) Uh, but I just thought that was funny. And when they name drop Ahsoka, it, that's the last part of the episode, right? Go and find yeah. Ahsoka Tano. Can like it's fine if that's the next step I can't in the mission. You too. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. There are so many times in Disney Star Wars where they're so freaking boring with the name drops. The ship is in the hands of your father, Han. Han Solo! Boring. And then when Han Solo gets his name and he's like, I don't have any people. Okay, so you'll be Han Solo. That's worse. I feel like that's worse. They're all bad. And there's another I can't think of. There's so many dumb name drops. Like, I wish that they left that to the imagination because, no offense, Joe, but screw you canon guys. The canon people aren't watching the damn show. It's... It, there are so many more people watching, and when they say Ahsoka Tano with like, it's a little period at it, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no point. She, she should have just left it open-ended. Like, no one knows Bo-Katan. No one knows Ahsoka Tano. It would be so much cooler if he met those people, and you just had to, like, read the comic book to know who that was. And she says, you got to go to this planet, and you're going to find one of, like, the ancient sorcerers there are very few left. And you're like, oh, who could it be? And 
then she can introduce herself as Ahsoka. Ahsoka can be the reveal rather than spoon feeding it. Han. I'm winking, audience. Han. <laughs> Solo. That doesn't satisfy me, especially if you know, like you said, you are following the canon. So you kind of know that Ahsoka was around with those other Mandalorian times. So that just doesn't excite me, but I'm I'm laboring on. I, I liked when the land Mandalorian show appeared because they look cool. When they're fighting on the ship, super badass cyanide pill that like electrocutes your brain. That's a little insane. That was kind of scary to watch. My teeth still hurt from that one. Like when you bite down on a fork or something on accident, that's the worst. I imagine that's <laughs> what it would feel like if you had to take the Imperial cyanide pill. <laughs> and then uh, he was the man in black. I thought that was a perfect role for that dude because he's way yeah. evil. I wish I could have, I wish I had looked up his name, the, the actor's The name. man in black. No idea what his name is. And that's it. The only other note I had was, so he's a religious cult guy, huh? Uh, yeah. So you make a really good point about Ahsoka that I didn't consider um, because I am one of the canon guys watching the show, but it probably would have been better to just not said her name because also the planet Corvus. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. I have to jump in because Ray, you're a Palpatine. I'm 99% sure that's the dialogue. <laughs> you figured Bad. out which one you forgot? Yeah. Ray, you're a Palpatine. We're wondering who's Ray's parents are. They're supposed to be nobody. All of a sudden, it's the most famous dude in the whole galaxy. Yeah, I anyway, told you. I'm sorry. I'm on board. That movie sucks. <laughs> not, a, not a fan. But yeah, they probably should have just left Ahsoka nameless because Corvus is not a planet that we've ever heard of either. It's not like it's some point in canon so far we know that ahsoka is on corvus it's not a planet mentioned in any part of canon so far including ahsoka the the book bo katan could have just said go to this planet and seek out this whatever sorcerer and left it at that and then we could have had so much speculation for next week i love that they call them sorcerers it gives an extra air of mystery to the jedi yeah which is just, the timing is still weird. He doesn't know who the Jedi are, but Bo-Katan does. It's just whatever. Anyway, so yeah, maybe they should have just left her nameless. And that's pretty much the end. She tells him to go meet Ahsoka Tano on Corvus, a forest moon. What did you think of the episode and Bo-Katan, Lorelai? Well, I only knew who Bo-Katan was because you told me. <laughs> but... I think the most compelling part of the episode for me was the Mandalorian finding out that, like, his reality isn't real. Like, he's not a real Mandalorian. He's, like, a crazy version of a Mandalorian, which I think, you know, everybody can kind of identify with. It's like the Truman Show thing where you're like, oh, my God, my life isn't real. It's something totally different from reality. So I thought that was probably the most interesting part for me. Just that this is something that he's going to probably have to deal with at some point. I assume. I don't know. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with it. Because, well, he's Death Watch wanted to go back to the way Mandalorians originally were. So they think they're the original Mandalorians. But also we have the Armorer, who is also obviously a member of Death Watch and has the helmet with the spikes similar to similar to Mandalorian armor when Darth Maul ruled the Mandalorians and ruled over Death Watch. So that's an interesting part. And would she have that helmet 
and not know about the Jedi because Darth Maul was their ruler? Are they that disconnected from that timeline of events? It'd be very interesting to see it all plays out. Is Does she know more? We were introduced to a member of the Death Watch clan, Vizsla, in one of the first episodes of The Mandalorian. It was one of the Mandalorians voiced by John Favreau, and he he is a member of the clan that I guess started Death Watch. So anyway, it'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. I mean, because this the Mandalorian that we that I know and love, which is the only one that I know and love because I don't know any other ones. The true um, Mandalorian. Yeah. It's you know, he is so like obsessed with doing the right thing and this is the way all the time that I wonder what it's gonna be what's going to happen when he finds out that maybe his way is not the way. And anyway, it's just interesting. I agree. And it'll all lead into the fight between the Mandalorians and uh, Moff Gideon and potentially Ahsoka Tano, which leads us into chapter 12, the siege uh, directed by Carl Weathers himself, grief Karga. I'll say starting off right off the bat, I did not expect anything from this episode. I guess I'll also say going back a bit that the previous episode, The Heiress, was probably one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, and go so going into chapter 12, knowing that it was going to be directed by Carl Weathers and knowing that the next episode was written and directed by Dave Filoni, who created Ahsoka and so therefore that episode was probably going to be the Ahsoka episode. I did not expect anything from this episode. I expected this one to be filler, gets his ship repaired, goes to Navarro, meets up with Grief Karga and Cara Dune, and recruits them because he thinks Ahsoka might be a threat. And then they say, well, we'll go with you, but you have to help us first. And it was just going to be like a filler bounty hunter episode. Wait, no, he but, just, he only goes to the planet to get repairs. Yeah. I don't right. think he goes to recruit him, right? He doesn't. So I was wrong sometimes, but also, <laughs> but then right sometimes. I'm going to focus on where I was right. <laughs> um, but I will say, just showing my hand right off the bat, we could go into how, we're probably going to go into how fan service this episode was. But I will say that this episode that I expected nothing from also turned out to be one of my favorite episodes of this show. So he meets up with Grief Karga and Cara Dune. He gets his, he's getting his ship repaired. They have to take down an Imperial facility on Navarro. They break in, they beat a bunch of stormtroopers. It turns out to be maybe a cloning facility where they're using baby Yoda's blood. The Mandalorian realizes he has to protect baby Yoda. So he goes Back for Baby Yoda and Grief Karga, Kara Dune, and Mithral, the gland, the gland guy. guy from episode <laughs> one, have to blow up the facility and fight their way out. Um, so I would, I, this is the most Star Warsy episode of this show so far, right? Well, the base looked like the Death Star. And- exactly. Even running around in it. I'm surprised it didn't have the alarm that was like, or whatever it is, you know, the classic <laughs> did you guys, imperial did, alarm. Did you notice the stormtrooper voices? They're like, New Hope, 
voices, like radio-y, old-timey, whatever. And, this, like, and the same sound. Like, they sounded exactly the same. Everything mm-hmm. about this episode was Star Wars fandom, which I know some people might not like. Royce, you briefly brought up before we recorded um, fan service, and I think this episode was very fan service but gosh, I just loved it. Those stupid it. tracking things when they're trying to blow ships up, th- those are useless. The TIE fighters, it like locks onto the ship and it's like, you assume it's time to fire. They start firing and the lasers are nowhere near the ship. <laughs> <laughs> but that's Star Wars. So what did you think, Royce, of the overall episode and all the Star Warsiness? Everybody loves the Death Star. More Death Star themed bases, please. It just seems like the show is formatted like a video game where you say, you have to go here and get the red key and then you open the red door and then you got to get the yellow key and you keep going. So the show's kind of predictable in that matter. I'm not surprised that they didn't show up with Ahsoka yet because you got to get the red key first. He didn't have the red key. They had to fix his ship, you know? They'll get there, but eventually. Uh, But (laughs) yeah, the base looks cool. They should just do more of that stuff. Because the action from the spaceship in the last episode and in the base this episode was great, in my opinion. And like oh, you Robin said, the stormtroopers shaking her head. <laughs> stormtroopers show up and they're all TK four two one. Do you copy? Why aren't you at your exactly. post? And that is cool. Uh, so I'll just run through the episode real quick, and I'll try not to stomp on what you wanted to to harp on afterwards, dude. When they were running through the facility, I mentioned like the weird aspect ratio change in the last podcast. Carl Weathers was like star wipe and then another star wipe and oh. another. St- they started wiping like crazy. You saw one and you kept seeing more and more. I was like, is he going to keep doing that? I think they wanted to make it seem kind of like uh, like almost like an anime or something, like increasing the action because they were cutting so theatrically, I guess right. you might say. I thought that was comical. That took me out of it. As much as I like production thingies, I was like, please slow down with the star wipes. It wasn't star wipe. It was like up or down, left or right. But you know what I mean? Also, they fixed this ship in like two hours. His ship was messed up and it's brand new at the end of the episode. They were gone for like two hours. They didn't do anything. They went to the volcano facility, which couldn't have been that far away. And then they blew up the facility and they left. They came back 20 minute in and out. (laughs) But the ship was fixed either way. Yeah. Find me a mechanic that can like bring your scrap co- beater car back from the dead, you know? The door didn't even open. <laughs> How did they fix the door? It's not like, oh yeah, we got one in the back. We'll just pop this one off, put the new one on. The paint will look exactly the same by the end of the day. It looked like Grand Theft Auto when you go into the garage to get your car repainted. Grand Theft Auto 3, anybody? I like Grand I think Theft last Auto. episode, you brought up <laughs> Vice City. You used to be able to drive your car into like a garage and they would paint it. And then yeah. when you did that, you lost all, all your the stars. stars. went down. There we go. My man. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I thought that was weird that they fixed the ship so damn quick. That, that only happens in video games, which the show pretty much is. So I guess it makes sense. It's on par. <laughs> Gotta find that red key. Uh, I really like at the end, he says, I have some onboard maintenance to take care of. Was he really talking about onboard maintenance or was he just talking about baby Yoda having spit up on himself? (laughs) Damn, that was my surprise question. I shouldn't have let that out of the bag. (laughs) (laughs) We'll save it for the end. Uh, And then I won't get into the fan servicey part. I'll let that be somebody else. But 
I thought that the ending of the episode, they changed the formatting. Did anybody notice that like this episode had like an epilogue? Like it didn't end and they were like on to the next mission. Like the the main plot oh, line yeah, ended. Yeah, right. And then they were like, let's tie up where everyone's, you know, what everyone's doing at the end of the episode, which isn't normally the case. It's like the episode ends and you know exactly where they're going. And then they just cut to credits. They had this like little catch up moment with everyone, which was just different than some of the other episodes. Not a good thing, not a bad thing. I just noticed it because I need something to nitpick on the podcast. Anyway, it was a good episode. I thought so too. Really liked it. When little baby, when baby Yoda's fixing the ship at the beginning, he's like, I mean, plug the red wire. This in. was maybe the best baby Yoda episode ever. <laughs> you guys didn't even talk about that, but it was maybe the best <laughs> baby Yoda episode ever. And it's certainly the best since the broth. <laughs> <laughs> Because there's the little, like, electrical wires, and then there's more broth, and there's the cookies, and there's the, like, woohoo, and they're, like, going upside down, and then there's the spitting up on them. It's just a great episode. For those reasons and those reasons only. <laughs> it's a great episode for all the reasons. Robin's on my side. Yeah. I am. Would I you have eaten that face. cookie, though? Why would you not? It's bright blue and delicious. I- I was just, there was something about the cookie that I was, I, at first I was like, is that gum? What is that? It didn't look appealing to me as a human. They looked but, like the little French cookies. Yeah, little macarons. Macarons. They look like little macarons. And he uses the force for the first time all season, right? That's yeah. the first time he's used the force is to steal himself some cookies. He's had some opportunities to use the force, but he chose to use it at the most adorable moment. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that kid he, was he, he, he might have used the force when he was inside the mouth of that terrible creature on Trask. I mean, his his bassinet was crushed, but he was fine. So he didn't. He used no the cookies off camera force <laughs> usage. Head cannon. Anyway, that was my favorite part of the episode. In case anyone was wondering, we're not to the favorite part of episode yet. Well. Favorite part of episode, most Star Wars moment, and favorite oh. Baby Yoda moment, I think. Uh, however, I did same. it last time. <laughs> Robin, I'm curious to hear your point of view on the episode in general because it was so bad. Oh, God, that's just <laughs> the worst. All right, go ahead. Go on. Elaborate. I mean, to, to Lorelai's point, this was the best Baby Yoda episode so far. I loved everything he did. He was trying so hard to fix the ship, and he was <laughs> and being— it was so funny! He was being so polite, asking for cookies, and that little kid was a jerk. It was like, nope, these are my cookies. So he's like, I'm just going to take them. These are my cookies now. And the fact that he had the whole sleeve of cookies on the ship at the end, like he took it with him— the rest of the episode, however, was poop. Wow. I didn't like watching it. My immediate reaction was, oh, they're in a base. That looks exactly like the Death Star. I don't like that. Can you be original? I like. I want it to be a standalone thing. I don't want to be like, oh, look, that looks just like another base. Or there's another character that we know. Like, I want it to be a completely standalone thing. I also don't like that, again, he was irresponsible with the babysitter. Why would you leave him with a protocol droid? Because they're famously responsible and great with children. Why did you leave him there? Uh, I also can't stand Cara Dune. I think that's a terrible character. And she was the entire episode. I thought she was much better in this episode than in previous ones. Like, as far as her, I don't know, acting or, or maybe it's Carl Weathers' direction. 
Um, but yeah, I thought she was much better in this episode, but I know what you're saying. She was hard to watch just because you had sent us that article <laughs> and like, check out all this stupid shit she said. And as soon as she started talking, I was like, you are I garbage. Just, yeah, I just don't <laughs> particularly agree with your viewpoints on the world. And it's now taking me out of your character, which sucks yeah. that you don't want that to ever happen. So that was a little hard. I got over that kind of quick, though, because pew, 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 pew. No, the entire time I was watching it, I kept thinking about that and was like, I bet your Star Wars character is also a racist. Yeah. <laughs> well, the problem is, well, sorry I sent you that article and it and it and it took you out of the episode. Ruined Star Wars but for it, me forever. But it also is a little ironic. I mean, fans are calling for her to be removed from the show. And that's obviously understandable. But Disney historically not a great corporation. They opened their theme parks in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, not not what I'm saying is they're not sort of the role models here. I'm I'm glad that that like people are standing up and and saying what she we don't agree with what she said and this is a a company and a channel that caters mostly to children and there's a certain amount of influence you have there and maybe she should be removed from it. But also Disney in general is not great. I mean, wasn't Walt Disney like really anti-Semitic? So if that's the groundwork for your entire company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I understand like, uh, yeah, if you want to change that, if you want to like be better as a corporation, but this past year they, I don't know. I think it's pretty irresponsible to to do what they did with their theme parks during COVID, but whatever. My point is I wanted to bring up uh, uh, how ironic that would be a little bit, but they, they can't kill her off until next season anyway now. So what are you going to do? I did not like it. And end of story. Minus baby Yoda. Baby Yoda. That's sad. But also I get what you're saying about you wanting it to be its own thing. It's all understandable, but, I still just loved this episode. Thought it was really great. It was mostly mostly Death Star, but then when they get to the reactor part where they've got to like input the code to destroy the reactor, that was very Rogue One, right? Like he's there's no whole, handrail. Yeah. Well, so that's also something I wanted to bring up. Like I didn't know what to expect from Carl Weathers' direction, but I don't know if it's just that character, uh, Mithral who's played by Horatio Sands, who's a comedian, and he was on Saturday Night Live and all this stuff. I don't know how much of that was improv, but if it wasn't improv and it was actually directed, it was amazing. I thought his character was great. All that little stuff, like when he steps on the platform and he's like, there's no handrail here. You know how afraid I am of heights and heat and lava? I thought all of that was great. He... I, Really enjoyed his character in that. Episode. I would say he redeemed himself a little bit from his first appearance in the very first episode, where you're like, "You are too ridiculous for my very serious hobby of enjoying Star Wars." <laughs> <laughs> like he was. We don't silly. want any bullshit around here, okay? I, I don't remember what is the dialogue that he had, but he was just a very odd character for like the first scene of the entire show. It was like, people want my glands. Yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't wee-weed since the last solstice. Like, what are you? (laughs) Get out of here. 
but he kind of redeemed himself, I thought. I would agree with you. He was still kind of annoying, like not quite as annoying as a Jar Jar Binks, but a decent comic relief. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good comic relief. Man, so in my notes, what I have is how much Star Wars there was in this show. The 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 stormtrooper voices, the wipes, like you were saying, the music even, and some of the lines. I mean, I think some of the dialogue was taken directly from A New Hope. Right? There's stuff when they're when they're in that truck and Grief is manning the guns and, and Cara Dune is driving and he's like, can't this thing go any faster? Whatever. That feels like it's all very like a new hope. And, but I want to talk specifically, I think the most important part of the episode is the hologram of Dr. Pershing uh, when they figure out that it's a cloning facility. And so, you know, obvious in one of the first episodes of the show, we see, you know, uh, the Mandalorian delivers Baby Yoda to the client, and, and it, Dr. Pershing has it in that weird thing, and it turns out he was taking blood from Baby Yoda to do some kind of experiment on something. And in this episode, we find out that maybe they're trying to use Baby Yoda's blood to create a Force-sensitive group of people. So... When his hologram pops up, he starts talking about how the experiments have failed and he makes it clear that they've been using Baby Yoda's blood to try to either clone somebody or um, make somebody Force-sensitive. He says that it's all failed. And he mentions that the volunteer might also suffer the same fate. So it's interesting to think who the volunteer might be. And so, but then at the end, we see Moff Gideon with a line of black suits. Uh, and my first, originally I thought back when the the first season aired, I thought that they were trying to clone the emperor. When we see Moff Gideon at the end of this uh, episode, I thought maybe they were trying to clone Darth Vader, but then it pans out and there's like rows of suits. So there is a pre force awakens group, uh, called dark troopers, <clears throat> which were force sensitive stormtroopers well stormtroopers that were made to be force sensitive i think and it seems like that's what moff gideon is trying to create a a force sensitive army of stormtroopers with baby yoda's blood based on the end of the episode it seems like that's what he wants and i think so my question at the end of the last episode was how do you bring ahsoka into the fight for mandalore and by the end of this episode, if he's making a Force-sensitive army, then Bo-Katan's going to have to go up against that to get the Darksaber to control Mandalore. So it's almost like like you were saying, Royce, with Ahsoka being the next thing you you get to, it's almost like they had to have this episode so that they could tie her into the greater story that they're making here with the fight for Mandalore and not so much the Baby Yoda show. Which, yeah, obviously Robin shaking her head. Which uh, probably many people don't want. But it seems like a really interesting... And again, it's bringing things back into canon that were taken out of canon. So, did anyone... I don't know. I don't know if anyone else picked up on that or or whatever thought thought about that. But what do you all think of Moff Gideon making a Force-sensitive army with Baby Yoda blood? Are they going to have to... I mean, he's going to keep searching for Baby Yoda. Um... I don't know. Well, they can't what do, do any more experiments. That? They need more blood. 
Oh, there's another the thing he M brought up. Count? I have the M count, right. There's not gonna they're not gonna be able to find anything with a higher M count, midichlorian count, than baby. Which is a really Why like did they, they say they, M count? Like, Why couldn't they just say like, midichlorian? Well, I feel like they tried to make it. They can cool. say Ahsoka Tano, but not midichlorian. <laughs> I feel like they tried to make midichlorian cool because we all hated it when that happened. So M count is better. It's not. It's not better. That's 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 my point. It's not better, but I feel like they tried to like turn it around and make it a cool thing. M count. Yeah. We're not going to find a higher M count, but it's still as lame as it ever was. Agreed. But anyway. So there's that. Uh, so anyway, Dark Troopers, Force-sensitive, Army, blah, 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 Moff wow. Gideon. I didn't think it was that bad with the fan service. The only really? thing, I thought you I'm, would jump right on that. No, I'm okay with the like the Scout Troopers and the speeder bikes. I really enjoyed the scene where they showed the guy's foot on the speeder bike because the speeder bikes have gas pedals for some reason. They still have like the handlebars. Like When you're driving a motorcycle, isn't the handlebar the gas? I don't understand who designed that. Why would the foot pedal be the gas? You think you'd need to like actually brace yourself. Maybe that's why they suck so bad. Yeah, I don't know. They they did go on a speeder bike chase and immediately blow the fuck up. That's <laughs> so morons. funny. I love how they how incompetent they make the troopers. <laughs> but the scout trooper design is great. Like Mandalorians look cool. Scout troopers are one of my favorite stormtrooper variants though. I think they look really cool. Mask is kind of Mandalorian-y. I don't know which came first, the chicken or the Mandalore, but... Mandalorians came first. I don't mind that, if that's what you mean by fan service, but then I'm surprised nobody brought it up, the Alderaan scene at the end, in the oddly formatted section of the show, where the rebel <laughs> pilot... Which is also really funny that, that nobody in the Outer Rim takes the rebels seriously, and they're like, yeah, okay, Sheriff, we'll drive a little slower next time. Yeah, yeah. They just kind of like shoo him away. Uh, but then that rebel pilot's talking to Cara Dune, and he obviously sees the tattoo or whatever, identifies that she's, oh, he knows who she is. You've yeah, he knows her record. He's like, yeah. Uh, and then he's like, were you on Alderaan? And she's like, yeah, I was from Alderaan. And he's like, I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah, your entire planet. I don't know if that really sums up the proper solace. I'm sorry for your loss. Well, what he <laughs> says is, did you lose anyone? It's like the entire fucking planet blew up. Yeah, it, it's hard to... That that doesn't really exist in our language, I feel like, to sum up how, how you could rectify that. But I didn't think that was fan service at all. In fact, if I'm being completely honest, podcast listeners, you know, sometimes, you know, you put on the podcast voice, you put on a little show, but sometimes you get the realest moments of all. I was a little choked up by that scene because, like, you put yourself in her shoes She's like, yeah, my entire planet blew up. I lost everybody. And she's kind of totally disconnected from reality. She's just like, I'm going to be a marshal now. I'll tell people to get in line. She's kind of seen too much. She's just over the hill now. But that rebel pilot is like, dude, there's still a fight going on. We need you. And she's kind of broken. And that is some deep character building shit. You want to talk about the Mandalore, Mandalorian guy becoming more interesting because he's having his worldview challenged. The game's not over yet. Cara Dune can't totally give up. So I thought that was interesting. I was surprised she didn't pick up the little rebel badge that that guy left. That was weird that she was just like, whatever. You just, you're out. You're down and out. You're that cynical. Come on. Well, your planet blew up. But then somebody gives you a little pep talk, a little, you know, X-Wing pilot comes in, gives you a little pep talk, you know? Yeah, I thought that was very 
Star Warsy, and the music that plays there also is very Star Warsy. I didn't catch the music. I was too busy weeping. <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to say about that, Robin? <laughs> what do you have to say about that, Lorelai? Mm, no. <laughs> no one cares that Baby Yoda's blood is being made is being used to make an army of Force-sensitive stormtroopers. Well, obviously it's not anymore. <laughs> well, now it's, that's even more of a risk. They haven't explained it yet, though. There's there's still, still too much to kind of, like, speculate on what they're doing. You're right, that last scene. Okay, so you wanted to talk about, like, the crazy Death Trooper-looking guys or whatever. I like what you're saying about the whole idea. Maybe it's a battle for Mandalore or whatever, you know? And they have the good guys versus the bad guys, big climactic battle at the end of the trilogy. I'm all for that. It kind of seemed like they weren't like active yet though, or they were active. Like there's too much up in the air. There's too much to speculate there of, as to what those things could be. Were those just the, the suits and the armor or were those the actual people? I don't know. Is it time for the surprise question yet or what? Pershing said, he said the words, the volunteer. And it, did, did he mean stormtroopers volunteering for that experiment or is there someone else out there volunteering to get force powers? I would volunteer. Yeah. I volunteer as tribute all day. <laughs> yeah. I think that bring, that's the really interesting question that this episode asked and the experiments haven't worked yet. So is Moff Gideon trying to create a force sensitive army and who is the volunteer? Is it the stormtroopers or is it someone else? Is it a Boba Fett who wants to get revenge on the force sensitive people by becoming force sensitive himself? Does everybody want to see a force sensitive Boba Fett? No, right? No. Anyway, very Star Wars the episode. Um, okay, everybody, question for everyone. What was your favorite part of each episode? What was the best Baby Yoda part of each episode? And what was the most Star Wars part of each episode? Uh, Royce. I really just like when the Mandalorians show up, everything's all good, and Baby Yoda is saved, and you kind of move along with your day. But there's something about that that I think does kind of feel Star Wars-y. I wouldn't say that that's a Star Wars moment, but there's always the like, oh no, we're doomed, and then, you know, so-and-so shows up in A New Hope. Han Solo shows up in the Millennium Falcon, and he's like, woohoo, let's blow this thing and go home, kid. I, that... I like that when they show up and they save the day. Oh, and they also come back and save him again. Two times. He owes him two times. Mandalorian owes the Mandalorians saving his butt two times, Robin. I understand. In the second episode, my favorite most Star Wars moment is that with the speeder bikes because the speeder bikes in Return of the Jedi, super cool. Who doesn't want a speeder bike? Even though I make fun of the gas pedal, uh, that was clearly meant to be a callback to Return of the Jedi. And I enjoyed that. I also think the sound effects, Joey, like you were saying with the music or whatever, you hear... The little bells and whistles, and you're like, yeah, that's Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Yoda moments, you know what? I'm I'm not watching it for Yoda. Perfect. He's cute in the beginning. Best answer. He's cute in the beginning of the siege, and he's cute at the end of the siege where he throws up. I really do like the 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 line, I have some onboard maintenance to take care of. I'm gonna have to use that in my own life. When you and grow up. <laughs> I have some onboard maintenance to attend to right now. Excuse me. Yoda's cute, but he it is not the baby Yoda show. I'm sorry. And I think they're walking that line pretty good because Yoda could show up every week and save the day. Why didn't he save the day with the 
uh, Sarlacc killer, you know, what the heck was that thing? Crate dragon. Why didn't he save the day there? he's a baby and it's not his job because oh, he's a baby. What about the other thing that laid the furry egg? Mudhorn. Yeah, the mudhorn. He took down yeah, that mudhorn. Mud what about the mudhorn? He's it's a their baby. Sigil. He's a baby. But it's not his he, job to save the day, but, you know, if he does every once in a while, that's good for him. Right. So I get it. It, it like, takes a lot of effort to save the day, but he's saved the day before, and he doesn't save the day in this season so far. So we're four episodes in. Yoda is not saving the day. Yoda, Yoda is kind of, kind of a brat. Let's be honest. Yes. You know, he's not listening Maybe to Papa. he's a teenager now, and we just can't tell. He's stealing people's food at school. You know, he's... He's getting sugar high. He's cute, but he's not He's not the, the focal point. So there are several uh, cute baby mo- baby Yoda moments, but uh, he's not the Baby Yoda show. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're wrong. <laughs> Robin, what were your favorite Star Wars moments and Baby Yoda moments and overall favorite moments or whatever the other third thing was? Was there a third thing? <laughs> the most Star Wars moment. And give it how many Baby Yodas out of five? <laughs> Well, I'll start off with favorite episodes with the the most Star Wars moment between the two. I'll just go between the two instead of going one by one. That was definitely like the speeder bikes, especially when they made them so incompetent they couldn't drive straight through (laughs) a fucking crack in a canyon. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, ah, classic stormtrooper. Why would you take the speeder bike off a cliff? That just seemed a little irresponsible. I don't know. They took that transport ship or whatever off the cliff. They probably shouldn't. I don't know what the hell they're thinking. (laughs) Also, the base on the on top of a volcano. That would uh, that would, would probably you... be tied with most Star Wars moment because you definitely are like Death Star volcano. Why would you build a base that needs to be cooled? That 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 the uh, the core or whatever needs to be cooled on top of a volcano because it's evil. <laughs> because I need the episode to happen. That's why. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh, fair enough. My. F- Favorite moment was also my favorite Baby Yoda moment. Same thing was definitely when he used the force to steal the cookies. Because again, that kid was a bit of an a hole. What if he ju- force choked the kid instead? I would have also accepted. <laughs> you almost that. force choked Cara Dune. You don't want to share with kind me? of a little shit. Yeah, I love him. He's amazing and perfect, and I never want him to change. Uh, and I would put second to that when. Mandalorian's flipping the ship around and he's like, wee! Like he was on a roller coaster and I was like, how's he not getting sick? And then all of a sudden he's got big blue cookie vomit down his face and you're like, oh, yeah. it's still cute though. Gross. <laughs> End of list. <laughs> what do you think? Um, How many baby Yodas out of five? Five. Uh, for what? <laughs> for in each general. episode. Okay, in general. Well, um, I think the most Star Warsy moment was when they're in the air, not like the speeder bike part, but what's the name of the ship? Marauder? The Razor Crest. And they're like fighting in the air and he's like doing flippies and it's fun. That's a fun yeah, Star Wars moment. Yeah, that's a moment. good Star Wars moment. Um, and obviously Baby Yoda. I guess to, you know, highlight the parts that Robin didn't, the broth Bringing mm-hmm. back the broth and they're drinking the broth together is very cute. And I guess puking on himself. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good, the second one was a good Baby Yoda episode overall, I would say. The yeah. intro was really adorable. The, no, plug it, it in. Oh, yeah. Plug the it in. Sho- shocking himself. And he yeah. was like, no, plug it where the blue thing goes into the board. And he's like, put them together. And it was very funny. Yeah. So 
Well, it was worth a shot. I loved each episode. <laughs> I loved everything about each episode. But how many Baby Yodas did you love it? I loved the heiress, four Baby Yodas, and I would give the Siege four to four and a half out of five Baby Yodas, I'd say. Each were great. I really enjoyed each. Uh, and the mo- I would say the most Star Wars-y moment of each, the heiress, I think, when the other Mandalorians show up and the Siege, when they're... When they're being chased by the speeder bikes and by the TIE fighters in that canyon. It's like very trench run type thing. So I think that's pretty most Star Wars moment. I have a question before Royce asks his surprise question. Are we, and maybe this is a question I already asked on a previous episode. Are we going to keep watching the show if it extends past Baby Yoda? It won't. If Baby Yoda finds a home and the show becomes about the Mandalorians fighting for Mandalore and Baby Yoda's not in it, will we watch the show? I hope it gets canceled if they take Baby Yoda off the show. Wow. That is Cancel harsh. the Mandalorian. I I'm just gonna get- don't think they're going to do yeah. that. <laughs> Robin's like, if I can't enjoy it, no one can. <laughs> I'm going to start trending on Twitter, hashtag cancel the Mandalorian, and we're going to make it happen. Wow. I don't think they would do- like. Baby Yoda is as important to the show as the Mandalorian. So, would you keep watching it if the Mandalorian disappeared and it was no, just Baby Yoda? No, because it's called the Mandalorian. So, what about you, Royce? So, I don't think he will disappear because the Mandalorians made it clear wherever I go, he goes. Even though he does kind of leave him behind, but the Mandalorian's clearly like the father figure. I feel like even if they find the Baby Yoda homeworld and there's like fifty thousand Yodas that. There's no way he'll be like, okay, cool. You're with your people. Peace. I'm going to go on my way now. This is now the way. (laughs) Even though that was his quest. Or maybe he would. Maybe he would just treat it like a bounty. But I don't think that's where the show would go. Maybe that's what the character would do. But I don't think the show is going to get to that point. I think, if anything, they get to Baby Yoda's homeworld and they find out it's like Battlestar Galactica. And they're like, oh, they nuked it. I think they're they're never going to find it. And yeah, they also no, wouldn't the, kill off There's only one or something. I think, yeah, there, I don't, yeah. I would, I would say there's no way to find it. And so then in the galaxy as they know it, he would be the last of his kind. But Agreed. we'll see. Ahsoka might have all the answers. I would see. keep watching for the record if anyone. I mean, we knew that. Cares, I would keep watching. <laughs> it's all right, short, it's surprise it's question time. I'm going to put one more period on that. It's short and sweet enough to keep watching. So the first two episodes were kind of long and they've been progressively getting shorter or short-ish. The first one was like almost an hour and they've been getting a little bit shorter. But it's it's not as much of an investment as some other TV shows where they really labor on and you're like, get to the freaking point. This show does kind of string you along. They don't give you everything up front. Only eight episodes like we were talking about. You're like, we've done 16 episodes. Like it's... uh not a ton of TV content. They've obviously worked really hard at it. They've worked much harder than we have. But the (laughs) amount of TV content on average is not a ton. So it's not quite as much like I got to season like three or four of The Walking Dead and like this show stinks. Why am I continuing to watch it? it? It is nowhere near that point. It's still highly enjoyable episode to episode. All right, that brings us to surprise question time. Who's ready? I'm ready. So originally, I was going to ask a question about uh, 
the loyalties of the Mandalorian, but Joey kind of covered that, and then I don't want to recover that. Because I do think it's interesting, like Laurel, I mentioned, like him having his values challenged. Is, is he going to turn out to be a good guy or a bad guy? We don't know. Anyway, I'm going to jettison that question because we already answered it a little bit. So, my new surprise question, and I'm sure Joey will really enjoy this one, so we're going to go to him last. <laughs> we have learned now that Obviously, they captured Baby Yoda temporarily to extract blood from him, experiment with the blood. They have this facility on Navarro, and they're doing tests, but the results from those tests are already, like, out and about. They've done something with his blood. They've completed some sort of experiment. The scientist guy was not in the facility, so he either got out before it blew up, or he's not there, or he's already dead. He left a message. Moff Gideon received that message, obviously. They planted the little tracker thing, so they're going to go find Baby Yoda, and they're going to have some other get-together. Whether or not it's the battle for Mandalore, they're still looking for Yoda. So my surprise question, is this whole cloning thingamajiggy that it has to do with the Force and cloning or whatever, does it connect to Rise of Skywalker? When Rise first came out, I forget which episode was going to air right before Rise, and we were like, is this going to tie in somehow? And nothing happened there. But Palpatine in Rise has all these clones of Snoke and Palpatine is a person somehow unexplained other than the dark side of the force is a pathway that many find to be unnatural. (laughs) (laughs) So is that a force thing that brings Palpatine back or is it a baby Yoda that brings Palpatine back? Is there a connection there? Am I just grasping at straws? Can the Mandalorian validate the existence of the rise of Skywalker. I know I asked five questions in there, but is there a connection? Baby Yoda, rise of Skywalker. Lorelai, I see conflicting emotions. We're going to go to you first. I mean, I don't think so. I feel like the timeline's way off, isn't it? But well, the timelines are definitely way off, but like that what we're seeing now, does it evolve into it? Is it a, a pathway? to the Electoral College of the Empire. Oh, that helps me. That helps yeah, me. Does the, <laughs> does, do the experiments that they're conducting now provide insight for the experiments that they do to create Snoke or bring back the Emperor? I mean, maybe. Could be. Could be. So should Baby Yoda be destroyed before he has the chance to bring back Emperor Palpatine and create the rise of Skywalker. Right, if you had to go back in time and kill baby Hitler, but baby Hitler was baby Yoda. I think that sacrifice should be made. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Lorelai is undecided. Robin, I also see conflicting emotions. Is there a connection? Dear God, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it alone. Not everything has to have a connection. Please, God, take out all of the characters and just make it a standalone. You are aware that it's Star Wars, right? Right. So eventually <laughs> it's going to turn into a big hot pile of poop that they just keep trying <laughs> oh, to polish. Man. These are hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And before we throw it to Joey, keeper of the canon, I think there's a connection. I'll leave it at that. But Joe, what do you think? Uh, see, leading up to me, knowing what I know, uh, I think there has to be a connection. Uh, connection one way or another because these things have to lead into the rise of the first order the the empire is fractured but wanting to 
become something, whether it's the Empire or something else. So I think either way, these events are going to lead into the sequel trilogy. Um, I just, I really thought that Baby Yoda and Dr. Pershing in the first season meant that that's how they bring back Palpatine. But then in The Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine says it's because of the dark side of the Force. But maybe it's both. I don't know. So I don't know if it'll be connected in that way or if it will lead into insight, like I said, to how to create, recreate Palpatine and create Snoke. I don't, yeah, so I don't know. But it'll, it's got to connect in some way because it's Star Wars. That's my answer. There you have it. Robin, it has to connect. It's Star Wars. Them's the rules. <laughs> I do not accept the rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for tuning in to Krypton to Alderaan. Tune in two weeks from today to see the exciting conclusion of Krypton to Alderaan talking about chapter 13 and 14, whatever they may be. Yeah, 13 oh, also, and 14. I saw on Wikipedia, maybe this is wrong, maybe it's right, that the title of chapter 13 is going to be The Jedi. That was on Wikipedia. I was looking for info on the last chapter that was there, and it wasn't a blue link. Like, someone had just typed it in. There was no, like, yeah. uh, footnote. The Jedi. So maybe we get Ahsoka in the next one. Anyway, you tuned in this far. Tune in next time to the Krypton to Alderaan podcast. Hey, we're on Twitter, at Krypton Alderaan. We're on Gmail, Krypton to Alderaan at gmail.com. Yes, I am pointing with my hands. They can't see it, but they can feel it. With the Force. Anyway. That's not how the Force works. And you could also leave us a review on Spotify, Twitch, or Twi'liker, Biggs, Darklighter, whatever you're listening to the <laughs> podcast on. Thank you for listening. We truly appreciate it. I've been Royce. I've been Robin. I've been Lorelai. And I've been Joey. And with our M counts combined, we've been <laughs> Krypton, Krypton to, to Alderaan. Alderaan. <laughs>